0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. How is everybody doing here on this Monday? Oh, such a jam-packed weekend. We have got a lot to cover here on the show. I'm going to have my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank as we are going to recap the college football playoff rankings. We're going to talk about the United States in the World Cup. And we are also going to talk about Dion going to Colorado. Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan, Georgia. And we are brought to you by Christie's Cafe, Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill, the Man in the Mirror podcast, and Local Grounds Coffee Company. And I'm excited about this show. Uh, This is episode five. 15 on this December 5th, 2022. I'm going to go ahead and get right into the show. College football playoff reaction. I watched the selection show with anticipation, and the committee got it right. Everybody was predicting if TCU was to have a close loss to Kansas State in the Big 12 championship, that TCU was still going to get in. The question was where would they place TCU? How far would they fall? So the stage is set. Georgia will take on Ohio State in the Peach Bowl, and Michigan will take on TCU in the Fiesta Bowl, and I strongly believe that the committee got it right. First of all, congratulations to the Georgia Bulldogs. They won the national championship last year. They get the SEC championship this year. I know a lot of players were really wanting that, but I am concerned about their defense just slightly They did defeat LSU 50-30, to but Nussmeier came in and he was dealing, and there was a lot of great receptions by their wide receivers. That's the strength. LSU has always had great wide receivers. They are a year away. I mean, Brian Kelly has got a good thing going, and I thought that Jaden Daniels was heroic coming back on that bummed ankle and was able to kick that field goal, but Georgia's offense – was incredible. The run game, Stetson Bennett looking poised in the pocket. I believe he's going to be one of the finalists for the Heisman. And I also think that Stetson Bennett, if he wins a second national championship, he could go down as the greatest quarterback ever to play for the University of Georgia. I kind of feel that he already is. As for their opponent in the Peach Bowl, Ohio State, Well, they had to sit back and wait. A lot of people were like, well, why is Ohio State getting into this college football playoff when they got destroyed at home to their longtime rival, Resume? They were one of the best teams all year. They only had one loss, and that's why I believe that they got in over Alabama. Now, we did predict chaos on the show. I said, well, what if TCU and USC both lose? Well, they both happened to lose. USC actually does not have a defense. They got destroyed by Utah in the Pac-12 championship game on Friday night. A big props to Utah, back-to-back Pac-12 champions, and they are going to play Penn State in the Rose Bowl. But USC had an opportunity in year one under Lincoln Riley. Caleb Williams, I know he got hurt, but USC could not get the job done, and that opened the door for Ohio State. Ohio State was right there at number 5, They sneak into this college football playoff. Now, Alabama fans have been chirping all weekend. They were waiting for this selection show, and they had a strong case. In fact, Nick Saban was pleading to the committee that is not Alabama one of the four best teams in college football? Well, you have to remember, Alabama has two losses. I've never seen the committee put a team into the college football playoff just based on the fact that this is one of the best four teams in college football. Alabama had two losses. I know that they were both losses on a final play in a hostile environment, but they always put a one-loss team over the team with two losses, even though Ohio State got blown out by Michigan. Ohio State gets in. They will take on Georgia. Michigan is going to take on TCU, and I thought that what TCU did against Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game allowed them to get back into this thing. They did not fall in the rankings. What Max Duggan has done, I think that he is going to be a Heisman candidate. He put TCU on his back. They were down by 18, and they tie the game. But when they get to overtime, TCU has the ball first. Why not go for the quarterback sneak there? That was a very puzzling play, and it doesn't really matter because TCU is in this thing. And I'm happy for the Horn Frogs, and uh, that should be a great game as well. I got plenty of time to get into all the bowl games, and I want to talk about all the bowl games, but uh, not for this show. There's plenty of time to do that on future shows because we got a couple of weeks away until we have all the bowl projections, and it should be a lot of fun. But let's talk about Alabama because the Alabama Crimson Tide had an opportunity. They were the preseason number one. This was their revenge tour after losing to Georgia in the national championship last year. They had the best player on offense and the best player on defense coming back. And I know that Nick Saban, he tried. He tried to plead with the college football committee, and it did not work. Look, I know Alabama would have been favored over TCU, Ohio State, Michigan, maybe even Georgia. That's the team that Georgia did not want to face was Alabama. Yes, Alabama has a case that they were one of the best four teams left in college football. But, you know, you can make a case that South Carolina was playing the best toward the end of the year, but they had four losses, so they can't get in. But Alabama, I know that Bryce Young got hurt, and they had a very close game against Texas A&M. But where was the quality wins? If you look at the head-to-head between Alabama and TCU, they both have a common opponent that they have beat. Alabama beat Texas, and TCU beat Texas. In Texas as well. I mean, so they had the common opponents. There's not really a quality win. They did beat Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and they also beat Texas. But Alabama is going to play Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl. That's going to be a fun game. I'm looking forward to seeing Deuce Vaughn, although Alabama's defense will probably find a way to stop him. Yes, this is a very disappointing year for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Once again, for two years in a row, they will fail – to win a national championship. This has happened before. It's never been three years in a row. So if you want to put all your chips on the table and say Alabama's going to win the national title in 2023, go ahead because Nick Saban has not gone three years without winning a national championship. Alabama went from 13 and 14, not winning a national championship, and they came back stronger than ever in 15 under Derrick Henry, and probably the greatest coaching staff ever assembled to beat Clemson in 2015. And then Alabama also did not win a national championship from 2018 to 2019. Clemson won it in 18, and LSU won it in 19. Then Alabama came back stronger than ever in the COVID year and won it off of Mac Jones's capability and all their wide receivers that went to the NFL. This is not the same Alabama team that's been dominant And a lot of people think, is Georgia the new Alabama? Well, hey, hang on there. Slow your roll there. What Nick Saban did at the University of Alabama is fascinating. I had to go back and look at the record books. And Nick Saban, since he's been there, and I'm counting the 7-6 and year when Nick Saban in his first year, we remember all the Nick Saban losses. So, anyway, Alabama, they're going to play Kansas State. Some fascinating New Year's Six bowl games. I'm looking forward to seeing USC and Tulane. I mean, that is going to be a fascinating bowl game. Penn State and Utah, of course, in the Rose Bowl. NSC taking on Clemson in the Orange Bowl. That is going to be a fascinating game. Although, you know, Joe Milton instead of Hooker, Tennessee, slightly a different team. But Clemson really shot themselves in the foot by not starting Cade Klubnik. Because what they did to North Carolina in the ACC championship game, Clemson should be in the college football playoff. Conference champions, I mean, they had an impressive resume just by being conference championships. And they had one of the best defenses in college football. But the two slip-ups to Notre Dame and South Carolina, which I want to remind you, those were not conference losses. Clemson went undefeated in the conference. They defeated North Carolina in the ACC championship, 39-10. Oh, we could play the what-if game. But there is a time and a place for that for another show. I'm excited about tomorrow's show because I'm going to have former Freed Hardman soccer player Eric Taylor on the show. We're going to talk everything World Cup. Oh, the United States. They had an opportunity. But the Netherlands defeated the United States 3-1. Christian Pulisic, right there in the beginning of the game, had a one-on-one with the goalkeeper. And I honestly think if he wasn't injured, maybe he gets that through the back of the net. But the Netherlands, goal in the 10th minute, and then all of a sudden a goal right before halftime by Daly Blind in extra time. And that second goal was demoralizing. USA does get a goal in the 76th minute by Haji Wright. It was one of those that you know, nice assist by Christian Pulisic, and now all of a sudden the United States is down two to one. But then Denzel Dumfries, what a player! He had two assists and the goal that put the nail in the coffin. The United States are eliminated, and the Netherlands will take on Argentina in the quarterfinals. A lot of soccer fans are asking the question: What was this a success? I think it was. They got out of the group. They took on one of the best teams in the world that I think could win the World Cup. And they're a young team that are going to be back hungry, ready in 2026 when the United States co-hosts the World Cup with Mexico and Canada. And they're going to qualify. So all these young players, Timothy Weah, Timothy Adams, Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, Matt Turner, they're all going to be back in 2026, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to having Eric Taylor on the show because his soccer knowledge is just incredible. And, you know, we're going to go ahead and break down this entire World Cup because, you know, we still have a World Cup to play. We got Brazil taking on South Korea today, Japan taking on Croatia, Morocco taking on Spain, and Portugal taking on Switzerland on Tuesday. I believe it's going to be Brazil taking on Croatia, and then Spain taking on Portugal, and uh, who knows? I mean, I think that England could give France a great game, but I don't know. France looks amazing. Mbappe might be the best soccer player in the world right now, and France could go back-to-back. I don't think a team has gone back-to-back since Brazil did it back when Pele was playing. All right, you knew I was going to get to it. Head coach Dion Sanders. He has accepted the position at the University of Colorado. And you know all those recruits that he got to Jackson State, they're probably going to enter the transfer portal. As Now this is the week for the transfer portal. You already have DJ Uyangalele that is now entering the transfer portal for Clemson. You will hear a lot more players entering the transfer portal. This is a massive hire for the University of Colorado to get Dion to go from HBCU to Colorado is incredible. Colorado went 1 and 11 last season. They only had the 110 win season back in 2016. They haven't done anything in the past 20 years. That was their best record. The question is, does Travis Hunter, the number 1 recruit from last year's recruiting class, does he leave for Colorado? And I also think the Pac-12 is going to be wide open because USC and UCLA are going to leave for the Big 12. And then I cannot wait to watch National Signing Day on December 21st. I think that Dion is, is going to have a very good recruiting class. And uh, I expect to see some of those recruits that he got to Jackson State, including the number one recruit last year, Travis Hunter. He is probably going to join Dion. And I love the press conference. Wow, what swagger. He pretty much told all the players – Get ready to go into the transfer portal because I'm bringing in my guys. Unbelievable. The National Football League, going to break down all the games, talking about the National Football League. The Atlanta Falcons, again, a subpar performance against a Pittsburgh Steelers team that is not really a great team. They got a rookie quarterback, but head coach Mike Tomlin is a good coach. But the Steelers beat the Falcons 19-16. to Another close game where the Falcons had a chance to win it. They do decide to kick the field goal. They do get the ball back, but the Steelers pin them back at the one. Marcus Mariota throws the pick to Minka Fitzpatrick. And the Steelers have a very good defense. I didn't think that the Falcons were going to get anything going. This is where, with the Falcons at 5-8, and they need to start Desmond Ritter. I've been saying this a couple games ago, and they just don't, get anything going with Marcus Mariota. They don't have a dynamic offense. They need a quarterback that can pass the football. Looking at the other scores in the National Football League, you got Green Bay beating Chicago. Aaron Rodgers still owns the Bears, even though Justin Fields has improved. The Bears did have a 19-10 to lead, but never count out the Green Bay Packers. Hottest team in the National Football League is the Detroit Lions. They defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars 40-14. to the Vikings defeated the New York Jets 27-22. to The Jets did have a chance to win that game toward the end. Mike White actually looks like the better quarterback than Zach Wilson. You got a very unusual tie between the Washington Commanders and the New York Giants. Uh, that could hurt their playoff chances or it could help their playoff chances, especially now that they have a tie under their belt. The Eagles had no problem with the Tennessee Titans. They actually do what they do best, run the football, Let Jalen Hurts do his thing. Three touchdown passes. I think that Jalen Hurts could be a early candidate for MVP. And then you have the Cleveland Browns, who the return of Deshaun Watson, he was rusty after not playing for two seasons, got booed heavily, and why not? The Baltimore Ravens, able to come back on the Denver Broncos, but Lamar Jackson is hurt. Not sure how long he's going to be out. Seattle try to keep pace with the 49ers, beating the Rams. Who their season is over. I mean, I think the Rams are going to lose all their games, and all of a sudden the Lions are going to get a much better draft pick. Really sold the farm to win that Super Bowl. And let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers because they had a very impressive 33-17 win over the Miami Dolphins. A great defensive effort. Nick Bosa with three sacks. This is a championship defense. However, Jimmy Garoppolo breaks his foot. He is out for the season. In comes Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick, In last year's NFL Draft, Brock Purdy, the only player that's considered Mr. Irrelevant to throw a touchdown pass. He had two touchdown passes. But can a rookie quarterback lead the 49ers to the Super Bowl? I think that he can be a game manager. Uh, Sad to see Jimmy Garoppolo get injured and out for the season. He was having his best season in his career. And are the 49ers the most snake-bitten team in the last three years? I have never heard of a team that has lost both their starting quarterbacks. Trey Lance goes out with an injury, now Jimmy Garoppolo. And now they are relied upon a rookie quarterback, which he does have a lot of weapons, but they're going to have better defenses to face. Now those defenses have film on Brock Purdy. I thought it was a very good statement win for the 49ers, who are 8-4. They're on a five-game winning streak. And they keep pace with the Seattle Seahawks. They are a game above Seattle. But they have a tough game next week as Tom Brady returns to the Bay Area and the 49ers will take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I really wanted to see Jimmy Garoppolo and Tom Brady showdown. But that is not going to happen. Some of the other games in the National Football League, the Raiders, they're starting to get hot. 27-20 over the Los Angeles Chargers. The Raiders are 5-7. Can they run the table? Because this was a very disappointing team. And they're starting to win some games. The Bengals beating the Chiefs 27-24. I think that now... You have a three-team race in the AFC between the Bengals, Chiefs, and the Bills. Who wants to meet in the AFC Championship? I think it's going to be between those three teams. And then the Sunday night game, my, oh, my. The Dallas Cowboys destroy the helpless Indianapolis Colts 54-19, and now I'm amending my Super Bowl pick. And as painful as this sounds as a San Francisco 49ers fan, the Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl. This is the best team in the NFC. Now, I don't know if they're going to win it because I think that Kansas City, Buffalo, and Cincinnati might be the three best teams in the National Football League. But, yes, the Cowboys look incredible, and their schedule gets easy. They play the Texans next week. But get ready for that showdown against the Philadelphia Eagles. That should be something. All right, the Columbus River Dragons. They are 13-1-1. They did lose to the Danbury Tricks 4-3 on Friday, but, you know, they were down. Three to nothing, and then they tied it in regulation, and then on Saturday's game at the Columbus Civic Center, they won it five to nothing. So your leading goal scorers so far, Alex Storjahan with twelve goals. Jacob Kelly with ten. The Columbus River Dragons are going to be on the road this weekend. They're traveling up to Michigan to take on the Port Huron Prowlers, and their next home game is December the sixteenth against the Elmira Mammoth at the Columbus Civic Center, and you can always listen to the game on WQEE. Tom Callahan does the play-by-play, does a great job, and go Dragons! Oh, I'm so excited. This is the best team in the Federal Prospects Hockey League, and I think that they will win the Cup this year. If they get home ice, I think that they have a shot at winning the Cup. All right, let's talk about Columbus State Cougars and Lady Cougars. Hey, the Columbus State men's basketball team is five and two. They had a very impressive eighty-eight to seventy-five win over Keene University on Saturday. You had the Columbus State Lady Cougars. They are five and one as they were able to beat West Florida at the Lumpkin Center on Friday. I'm very impressed with what Coach Robert Moore and Coach Matt Hauser has done. All right, as high school football. Wraps up in the Chattahoochee Valley. I will start transitioning into covering high school basketball on Friday shows. But I gotta say congratulations to the St. Ampicelli Vikings. You did it. State champions for the GIAA for the first time in school history, as they defeated Stratford Academy 10 to nothing, a defensive effort at the five-star stadium in Macon, Georgia, home of Mercer University. And congratulations to the Vikings. Congratulations to head coach Dwight Jones, the athletic director Corey Black, Dave Plata and Rex Castillo, the broadcast team for St. Ampicelli. And the Viking way is just going to continue transitioning over to basketball as they get ready for their basketball season. Thrift Behringer's doing the play-by-play for that. The baseball season and the St. Ampicelli Vikings just continue piling up the championships. Schley County is in the state championship for single-A Division I, as they will take on Bowden. And we don't have a time yet. You know, these state championships are happening at Center Park Stadium up in Atlanta, Georgia, from December the 8th through the 10th. And I, I will break down all those as soon as we know the championships. And the Troop County Tigers season came to an end on Friday night, losing to Benedictine, but congratulations to head coach Tanner Glisson, the Troop County Tigers staff, the team, for all your hard work and effort, making it to the semifinals for the first time since 2018. They had a wonderful season. They were just running into a very powerful team in Benedictine. The Cadets won the state title for 4A last year. And now Benedictine will take on Cedartown for the 4A state championship game. It's really exciting that we have the state championships, but I'm just sad to see high school football come to an end. Now we get ready for high school basketball as the season has already started for a lot of these teams. Uh, Shaw was in action over the weekend. Spencer, as they uh, try to defend their state championship, now they're in 2A. Russell County was able to get a big win over Central. Uh, I will cover all of it on Friday's show, including girls basketball as well as uh, you got the Carver Tigers uh, they're trying to make a deep run for the state of Georgia. And you can't forget about the St Ampicelli Vikings and what they have done. Head coach Corey Black doing an amazing job with St Ampicelli and then we're going to get into all of it on Friday. Real quick, I want to talk about the NBA, you know, I love the NBA and I'm going to talk about the NBA as much as I can. I mean, why not? So, on this show, you have the Atlanta Hawks. They were able to get the win over the Denver Nuggets, 117-109. to 109. They are 13-10. and 10. They will take on the Oklahoma City Thunder tonight at State Farm Arena. You don't want to underestimate this Oklahoma City Thunder team. Shai Gilgis-Alexander averaging 31.1 points a game. But Trey Young has got to do more. He's got to put this team on his shoulders DeJounte Murray is a complimentary piece to Trey Young. He is averaging 20 points a game. That's a good backcourt. But the Atlanta Hawks need to pick it up in the second gear because their schedule is getting tough. And just looking at the state of the NBA, the Lakers are starting to make their move. 10-12, they have won 8 of their last 10. They've won 3 in a row. Anthony Davis scoring 55 points against the Washington Wizards. Another impressive road victory by the Lakers. They beat the Bucks over the weekend. And I'm telling you, if Anthony Davis is 100%, I think that it's going to be hard to stop the Lakers with AD and LeBron. But they still don't have depth with the perimeter shooting. And I think when they take on an elite team, it could be problems. Now, I said before the Lakers, I don't think they can get in the playoffs. I think if the Lakers start beating up on on the bad teams, that they could get into the playoffs. The Warriors are starting to make their move. The Sacramento Kings is really the surprise team of the NBA, 13-9. They have won three straight. The New Orleans Pelicans, Zion Williamson, is now starting to become a superstar. They are just one game behind the Phoenix Suns. And then over in the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics still have the best record in the NBA at 19-5 followed by Milwaukee and Cleveland. Hey, we got a big game Tuesday as the Los Angeles Lakers' LeBron returning to Cleveland, and that game will be on TNT. Big NBA fan, also a big college basketball fan. A big shout-out to the Georgia Bulldogs, 7-2. and two. Congratulations, Mike White. You have eclipsed the win total from last season the Georgia Bulldogs will take on Georgia Tech this Tuesday night at the McCamish Pavilion, and it is going to be just an exciting time for Georgia basketball. Georgia Tech is 5-3. and three. And if you look at SEC college basketball, Auburn still undefeated at 8-0. Missouri is 9-0, and the Mississippi State 8-0 as well. All those ranked teams out there, can the Georgia Bulldogs get at least 13 wins? I mean, that's a success. If the Georgia Bulldogs can get to 13, 14 wins, that's a huge success, and what a turnaround by Coach White. I think it's about that time to bring on my broadcast partner and co-host Corey Bank as we will recap the college football rankings so you don't want to miss it. We'll be right back with Corey. And we are back on the show. And I've got my broadcast partner and co host, Corey Bank, here to recap some of the college football rankings. Corey, what's going on? On the March, Richard, it was a great weekend of football and all kinds of sports. Well, exactly what I figured was going to happen was chaos. Both USC and TCU lost their conference championship games. And so we had to hold our breath and wait for the selection committee to go ahead and rank TCU right there number three. I think that them losing to Kansas State in overtime pleaded their case. They were going into that game undefeated. Max Dugan carried them back down by 18, but they lost it in overtime. But TCU stays at number three, and they will take on Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl. Corey, did the committee get it right? I do think it's a very interesting
1: concept and I do think they got it right. But despite some contrived Alabama discussion and his Crimson Tide head coach, Nick Saban, making seemingly a desperate lobbying appearance on any network that would have him Saturday, the only real drama was, like you said, that TCU team who really put it together getting to the number three slot. Whether Ohio State would move up and set up a rematch with arch rival Michigan, that was what remained to be seen. So, like you said, the top four teams are going to go to this playoff, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and Ohio State. It's incredible that Alabama is the first team that is out. When was the last time we've seen a Nick Saban team not make it into this college football run? But this Georgia team, by virtue of going undefeated in this daunting SEC and Michigan with the most impressive win of the season, over Ohio State on the road and a victory over Penn State to go with it were lux. Now, regardless of this, Richard, the respective conference title gangs TCU was fairly cl- close to lock status considering that it had already defeated the likes of Kansas State, like you said, in the Big 12 championship game opponent and the USC game, where it was a win over Utah away from securing the fourth and final spot. Now, Utah had other plans. The Utes not only ended USC's Pac-12 title hope Friday, but they destroyed any real argument for the Trojans to make that fourth-team playoff run with that dominant 47-24 win. While USC quarterback and potential Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, was dealing with an injury, Utah dominated on both sides of the ball. They were clogging up the holes, and there were no running lanes to go in that regard and they were just staffed. Now, this Trojan defense also seemed to have have no interest in actually tackling someone in the game. But all in all, I do think they got it right, and it's going to be a very decent draw this year. But there is something to be said, Richard, about this Ohio State team benefiting from not playing on conference championship weekend. But all 11 of this wins, double digits. It's only lost was the number two Wolverines and a road win over the 11th Penn State that really compared to other people's resumes. But there was a lot of drama, and when it all was said and done,
0: TCU got it done. All right, let's preview that upcoming Peach Bowl between the Georgia Bulldogs and the Ohio State Buckeyes. You know, Georgia's only favored by six and a half, but Ohio State has been one of the best teams all year. You're right. They had... That slip-up against Michigan, but all the other games they have won by double digits. C.J. Stroud has got weapons at his arsenal. Marvin Harrison Jr. may be the best wide receiver in all of college football. And also, Jacksman Smith, Jigba, he had a big Rose Bowl last year. If there is a matchup that the Buckeyes could take advantage of, is that secondary by Georgia who got torched by Jalen Daniels and Nussmeyer for over 500 total yards. I cannot believe a Georgia defense gave up 500 yards, but they won the game against LSU 50-30. to 30. Now Ohio State is going to come to the bins, which will be a home game for Georgia. But I will, I will not be shocked if the Ohio State Buckeyes fan base, which is a national fan base, Corey. There's a lot of Ohio State fans that live in Georgia. They are going to buy up the tickets. It's really going to be more of a 60-40 Georgia home field advantage because Ohio State's fan base does travel. This is a national brand, and I cannot wait for this game. we got plenty of time to make predictions, but this is the worst matchup that Georgia could possibly have because Ohio State is capable of beating them.
1: Considering the fact that, like you said, they have a very decimated defensive backfield, and like you said... Marvin Harrison Jr. being one of the best receivers in the game, showing the likes. It doesn't matter if you line up as an X receiver. It doesn't matter if you line up as a Y. The guy is a ball hawk. In terms of running a slant right over with middle of the field, he's got the track star speed and he's a flyer. Now you throw the ball over the top, he's got one of the best verticals in all of college football.
0: That's going to be remained the scene in the game. All right. Now let's talk about the Fiesta Bowl. Michigan and TCU. I can't wait for this game either. New Year's Eve is just going to be such a fun day of watching nothing but bulls. And in Arizona, the Michigan Wolverines, a nine-point favorite against the TCU Horn Frogs, who just won't quit. Max Dugan, Will, and his team, and this TCU team is a very sneaky team. You got to watch out for. And I'm looking forward to this matchup as well. Uh, but what do you think about? the TCU Horned Frogs' chances in upsetting the Wolverines? I think it's going to be a very interesting game.
1: Max Dugan's going to have to do things in that regard that's going to make him dynamic. He's going to have to get outside the tackle box and make the necessary throws on the run and create havoc in that regard. Now, they're going to have to have a great offensive line game and ground and pound. So it's going to be a combination of that. But this game is going to be one in the trenches. Whether that Michigan team is going to be stout and clogging up the holes in the run game, or it's going to be Max Dugan throwing three, four touchdowns. That's what we're going to have to see in the ball game. And that's nine-point favorite. That's a heavy favorite. I do think that they're going to make this a ball game,
0: and uh, it's going to be a close one. Now, the other New Year's Six bowl games, uh, which bowl game are you intrigued about watching? I mean, you got – Alabama and Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl. You have USC and Tulane in the Cotton Bowl. You have Utah and Penn State in the Rose Bowl. And you have Tennessee and Clemson in the Orange Bowl. I would like to see Tennessee and Clemson. And the reason
1: why is is because you got two powerhouse teams that have great athletes on both sides of the ball. I'm very curious to see what DJ Ugliauglia, uh, how is he going to respond after he was really, truly pulled and in that regard, might be on the transfer portal of the fences. Now, on the Clemson team, you would have thought that they would have been good enough to make it to the top four, but they didn't have that great of a season in that regard. Now, this is a game where this Tennessee team was looking very good with quarterback Hendon Hooker for the majority of the season. But when it came down to... Uh, Defense, that's something that they've had a hard time dealing with. There's no reason why that team should have been giving up 40 point burgers in the ball game. It came down to it, and that's what came down to the wire. So, I think that two teams that honestly should have been performing a little bit better, it's going to make for a really decent game. That's what I think.
0: All right, and today is also transfer portal day. Christmas has come early for some teams, and DJ Uyongalele has said that he is going to enter the transfer portal. NC State's quarterback Leary is entering the transfer portal, but the big news over the weekend, Corey, that I do want to talk about is Deion Sanders accepting the head coaching position at Colorado, and he is expected to have a lot of his recruits enter the transfer portal and show up to Colorado. What a bold statement. He addresses the team and says, get ready to enter the transfer portal because he's bringing in his guys. He has promised to get Colorado back to their winning ways. They've only had one 10-win season in the last 20 years. But do you think that Dion can win big at Colorado and competing in the Pac-12? I truly think he can set the
1: standard for a culture. Look what he did at Jackson State. He was the man of HBCU college football, and he transformed. That program was not like that before there, and he has a sentimental value and so much expertise in the game of football of the winning culture. Now, when he's going to take his job and go to the Buffalos, now Sanders, as a 28th head coach Saturday night, shortly after his Jackson State victory over Southern 43-24 and the, the SWAC, championship, it really put together a perspective. We knew that it was on the rise that he was going to leave HBCU football but Sanders, 55, was expected to announce his intention to join Colorado with the SWAC and it was confirmed that this really put it together. Now Sanders told Jackson State players that he will coach the Celebration Bowl on December 17th against the North Carolina Central in Atlanta. But Sanders has spent the last three seasons with an incredible record. Richard, twenty-seven and five. Incredible record. Jackson State posted a twenty-one and forty record just the six seasons prior to his arrival. So that's a testament what he has done in that regard. Now Jackson State's Sanders recruited some of the country's top talent, including number one recruit in the class twenty 20- twenty two. Cornerback Travis Hunter, which I think is one of the guys that he's going to bring with him in the transfer portal. But Sanders has already been recruiting prospects like with him with the transfer portal. But Friday, the Colorado team offered Sanders a contract that really sweetened the pot. A starting salary of more than $5 million, Richard. Money, money, money is what they really pulled off. So really, the incentives on his annual pay could increase as much as 40%. I mean, it was a great opportunity to go to Colorado, and he took it. So the Colorado team needed help. When Sanders took over at Jackson State, he found himself the helm of a program that had produced some great players but hadn't experienced this in recent heights. But the thing is, is that this remains to be seen. He's now on. He's going to be playing against better competition, and he's taking a team that is very 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 in the weeds let's see if he can transform the program i think he can but it remains to be seen richard
0: i agree but let's see what his coaching staff is as well like who is he going to bring on as his offensive coordinator defensive coordinator i mean I, these are, are key when you're building a culture when you're building a program but i think that colorado will compete and uh, you know they they have only to go from up here you know they went one and 11 last year so good luck to Dion there in Colorado and uh Corey like as we are getting a word uh, before we talk about the World Cup let's let's talk about this breaking news that the Carolina Panthers just released Baker Mayfield I'll tell you what Corey um as a 49ers fan I'm devastated that Jimmy Garoppolo is out for the season and uh I think that Brock Purdy is gonna do a good job, but do you think the 49ers should sign Baker Mayfield? It's definitely not an added question. Baker
1: being a veteran, but this year he's underperformed when the Panthers really took the likes to go get him to be the starting quarterback, but at this point in time, Baker Mayfield is not a bad, serviceable, makeshift quarterback, and uh, a guy in the, at this point in his career is definitely a number two quarterback, but the Niners... With their recipe of playing great defense, they just need a guy who's not going to make mistakes. I do think he is better than Purdy. I think he, will, he would give them an opportunity. But will they pull the trigger? We'll see. All
0: right, let's talk about the World Cup. The United States national men's soccer team had their hopes and dreams cut short by the Netherlands on Saturday. You know, I was getting ready for this game. I was excited. I thought that they had a chance very early in this game. Christian Pelusic had a one on one with the goalkeeper, but then Memphis Depay for the Netherlands scored in the 10th minute. And I'm thinking, okay, they're only down one to nothing. The United States can come back for this. All they need to do is tie it. And then once you tie it, anything can happen. But that goal, right when extra time hit by Daly Blind, put the dagger and no team has ever came back from a two-goal get deficit at halftime. In fact, in World Cup history, there was only three teams in the history of the World Cup that has tied it. So, I knew that the United States was done. But I tell you what, Corey, that goal in the 76th minute by Haji Wright, it kind of made things interesting. I kind of felt like I was seeing deja vu. Back eight years ago when the United States took on Belgium and they were down 2 nothing. And they lost the contest two to one. But then Denzel Dumfries put it away for Netherlands with a goal. He had a he had an incredible game, two assists and a goal. And the Netherlands, who said that they actually struggled in that first half against the United States, they move on and they're taking on Argentina in the quarterfinals.
1: That is very true indeed. But the bottom line is, Richard, the U.S. lacks sharpness all over the field. It could have all been different with the game in just the third minute. Tyler Adams passed over the Dutch defensive to the defense, found Christian Pulisic in the clear, but his left footed shot was saved by goalkeeper Andreas Noper. We'll never know what really happened there. What happened if the U.S. had gotten their nose in front, perhaps only delayed by the inevitable, but the Depes- pace. Subsequent goal, seven minutes later, like you said, in the 10th minute, forced the U.S. into an unfamiliar position. But they were playing from behind. And when you know, it doesn't matter what sport it is, playing from behind is tough. There were other chances too, though. Sergino Desk made some promising four plays from the right wing, but it couldn't have gotten more crucial to the point to that clear goal. And Palusic had another opportunity to run in space, but only his centering feed to be too far behind two runners in the box. But the problems weren't just on the attacking end. The U.S. defense had been rock solid up to this point, but it was riddled with problems on the night, the biggest of which was an inability to sniff out danger. Adams started out the Dutch's. First goal scoring sequence in a position ahead of the pay. But Richard, they failed to run it through several yards behind when he rifled his shot home. But Dest was one of the several culprits on the second goal. Failing to notice, like you said, daily blind ghosting into the box. So the subpar play, particularly the entire team, counts as a major disappointment for the U.S. But this was widely viewed. As the most talented American team in history going into this game. Now the US will have the way in 2026. But will Verhalter be the one to lead them? We don't know. But that is just up for the up for the debate. Well, he didn't get to the US out. He didn't get the US out of the group stage. The lack of playing time for Gio Reyna remains puzzling. The Americans' recent history in terms of giving managers a second cycle doesn't look promising either. But with both Bob Bradley and Jurgen Klinsmann both
0: failing to make it to the second World Cup, that's what makes it tough. I agree. I don't know if Berhalter is going to be back in 2026, but he actually had a pretty good job. And I thought that the United States, they played hard. They were very competitive. And this is still a young team. This is still a young team. The average age is 24 years old. They are just going to get nothing but better in 2026. And I can't wait. It's four years. The United States is going to be one of the host teams. In fact, we're going to have World Cup games in Atlanta, Corey. And so that's going to be exciting. As far as this World Cup, Corey, I'm going to make a prediction. I think that France is going to be World Cup winners going back-to-back for the first time since the Pele Brazil years. I think Mbappe, the most decorated World Cup player, he's already got nine goals. He was the youngest goal scorer in World Cup history in 2018. He's only 23 years old. Mbappe, that's the player to watch as France takes on England this Saturday in the quarterfinals. Absolutely, Richard. Corey, as always, it's been great having you on the show and uh, looking forward to seeing you at Ivy uh, tomorrow night as uh, we'll do our live show. That sounds fantastic. Looking forward to it. All right. That was my broadcast partner and co host, Corey Bank. Thank you so much once again for listening to another episode of The Sports Beat. Don't forget that you can download this podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, stay tuned for Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. That is coming up next here on WQEE. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye, everybody. You are listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key, from 2 to 3 p.m., Monday through Friday. This is a local podcast that covers Columbus sports and beyond. If you would like to hear more of this podcast, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.